Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your girl Mitzi, and this is Mitzi Let's Think About It. And I have a special guest with us today. We are going to be discussing the taboo of food addiction. And I have Braca Getz here, who's going to be sharing her story about how she was able to overcome this. So Braca, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm the author of 40 children's books. They're unusual. I call them 40 books that help children's souls to shine because they're they're kind of spiritual books. They Even the ones that don't seem spiritual, they're also spiritual because they're all helping children's souls to shine. And then I have a hold it up. The one book I wrote for adults is about how I developed the food addictions and how I overcame them. And I say I didn't really write it. I compiled it because I took like the the highlights from my diaries, my journals, my letters that I kept over 20 years. So you see the gradual development of the food addictions and then the healing process. So this book kind of was like when I got to the end, I myself made a discovery about what had happened, how it was through writing the book that I began to understand why I was able to overcome from the food addictions when my soul was finally nourished. That's how I was no longer like desperately hungry in life. So that's the story that this tells. Yeah, oh, that's very interesting. When you say desperately hungry for life, do you mean like acceptance and belonging in that type of aspect? Right. So I was desperately hungry in my life. I was desperately hungry for what has meaning. What's mm -hmm. the purpose of all this? Like, I was okay. I had a good life, but something was missing and I didn't know what it was. And what I learned is that the emptier a person feels inside, the more desperate they are for externalities to fill them up. So when we find fulfillment, that takes care of that void in our lives. And we're no longer desperately hungry. We all need pleasure in our lives. That's what we're here for, really, too. <laughs> what I finally learned is that the purpose of life is to experience the greatest pleasure possible. And that's amazing. I've been searching for years for the meaning to life. And then I finally heard that from an old rabbi in Israel. When I learned that, really, my life changed because what I learned about, I'd love to share with you, is called the pleasure ladder. This is based on ancient mystical teachings. There's five rungs to the pleasure ladder. The five rungs, they correspond to the five levels of the human soul. So the lowest level are all the physical pleasures, like the natural physical pleasures, like the lowest level of pleasure, it's attached to our bodies. So the things that we experience pleasure with our bodies, they also are designed to uplift our hungry soul. So like an orange... It all of our senses can be involved. There's obviously the wonderful juicy taste and the touch and the smell and the sight. Like it's designed to be the brightest color when it's ready for us to pick from the tree, you know? So mm -hmm. that's when we pick it, you know, when it looks bright and wonderful. So when we eat something like this mindfully, we are uplifted physically and spiritually. It's like we're filled with gratitude. So also being in nature or movement, dance, yoga, all these things uplift not only our bodies, but also our souls. And that's just the lowest level of pleasure. So why does a person overeat? 
it's very hard to overeat a bag of oranges. Like you're not going to do that, you know, because because the oranges are like nutritious and delicious. But junk food is designed to be delicious and addictive. It's totally different. In fact, junk food is more like a cigarette or a cocaine. It has that kind of an effect on our body, not like an orange. It doesn't have that same effect where when we eat it, we're desperate for more and it doesn't fulfill us. It brings us to a state of comfort but not deep gratitude and pleasure. It doesn't uplift our soul the way the natural foods were designed to do. So that's the first level. The second level of pleasure is love. And love, the definition of love that is connected to the pleasure ladder is appreciating the virtues of another, focusing on what you appreciate about someone else, another being. So the first level of pleasure is with another thing. The second level of pleasure is with another person, another being, and it's totally empowering. It's not dependent on that other person. They don't even have to be there for you to experience that warm emotional feeling of love. You just have to be focused on what you appreciate about them. Like a person in jail could be focused on how a grandmother once took care of them and that could fill them with a feeling of love that helps to uplift their soul. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, makes sense. Okay, great. Any questions about the first two levels that you want to ask? Oh, no. I, for me, to be honest, it sounds like you were able to overcome your food addiction once you were able to connect yourself spiritually. Exactly. That, that right? Exactly. And fill my life with greater and more lasting pleasures than the food that I was overeating. Mm -hmm. You know, we overeat because we want the pleasure to keep lasting. The yeah. pleasure ladder, it helps us know how we can bring more lasting pleasures into our life so that like on the show, My 500 Pound Life, uh -huh. the people, they all say the same thing. They say, food is the only thing that brings me pleasure. Yes, I hear that all the time. Exactly. So that's what it's all about. It's not about restrictions, because how long can a person be on a restrictive diet? It's about adding more pleasure into your life. When we identify what brings you more pleasure than eating, that's how we can overcome the overeating. And so the third level up is meaning. Doing something meaningful is even a more lasting pleasure than the physical pleasures or love. And what's higher than meaning? It's creativity. It's putting a part of yourself into the world. That's like having a new baby, you know? Yeah. And there's tons of pain involved in having a new baby, tons of pain, because the opposite of pain is not pleasure. The opposite of pain is comfort. Pain can be a part of pleasure. Climbing a mountain, lifting a weight, having a baby. There's a lot of pain involved, a challenge, a struggle all the time, but the pleasure is gigantic. So, and it can't even be compared to the other levels. It's like giving to the world, giving back, and you're filled with gratitude. The highest level of all is called transcendence. And what transcendence is, is the state of awe and wonder. Also, from giving birth, you experience that sense of awe and wonder, and you have it for the rest of your life. Under a starry sky at night, when you feel a part of the universe, that's another pleasure that you have forever with you to go back to. So in psychology today, 
there was an article recently, it said that researchers have found that the most positive feeling that reduces inflammation in the body and it reduces the disease causing chemicals is the state of awe and wonder. That just, yeah, it validates the ancient mystical wisdom that that is the highest pleasure there is. So everything like I'm sharing is not from my head. It's all from the most ancient wisdom there is because we're all spiritual beings and we need more than just physical pleasures every day. We need spiritual pleasures in order to thrive. Oh, that makes perfect sense. It really does. It really does. I'm over here just thinking about all the times that I was creative and had that wonder in me and it filled me up. You know, it really filled me up in a different type of way. And it wasn't just hunger. It was like satisfaction and and peace and purpose, you know? So I totally understand what you're saying makes perfect, perfect sense. Because once you get to the first level and you're still feeling that hunger and once you get to love, yeah, you're still feeling that, you know? So everything that you at each level that you spoke about, you will still always have that hunger until you get to that top level of transcendence. And I'm just amazed because you don't really think about that. You know what I mean? I've never thought about it like that. You know, I never really thought about it in that sense, the way that you were able to break it down. And I thank you because now I'm realizing once I get to my creative level, I'm actually doing what I need to do to finally feel at peace and be okay and be calm. And usually when I'm doing what gets me creative. I don't feel any type of hunger. So, wow. Thank you. You go into a zone when you're being creative, you don't feel like sleeping or eating because you are getting so much pleasure in this amazing state. And the incredible thing is even on the first level, let's say your person is overeating junk food. They don't even have to go up the ladder. They could just move horizontally to eat more healthy food and they feel more gratitude. So we don't have to come down on ourselves or feel shame when we do overeat the junk food. We have to understand that those foods were designed to be addictive. We're just responding in a lab chemical kind of way, eating the junk and it's addictive. It was designed that way. It's not really our fault. You know, we're responding as it goes. But what we could do is just sub in something which will fill up our souls as well and fill us with gratitude because the price that we have to pay to climb each rung on the pleasure ladder is gratitude. Gratitude is what changes everything and it's the key to everything wonderful in life. Mm. That it's so simple and it's just about appreciating what we already have and being in that mindful moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think that's very true. And I think that's something that I've constantly said here and there throughout my podcast is just be grateful. You know, once you're grateful, then things will start looking different, feeling different, you'll start experiencing life different because you'll be wanting to say thank you more. You know, you realize that the sacrifices other people have made and you realize the sacrifices that you have made for somebody else. And then you realize that the world doesn't revolve around you. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. And what do we want for our children? We want our children to experience the greatest pleasure possible in life. That's what we want. That's what we're here for, too. We're here for the simple purpose of experiencing gratitude, of enjoying life. We've gone so far off course from this beautiful garden. We're really in a beautiful garden, and we're here to enjoy 
all the fruits of the garden. And there's so many. And it, another reason that people overeat, people overeat because of a sense of estrangement, loneliness, alienation, anxiety, boredom, all these things are disconnection. So when we start to connect with another thing, another person, the community, the universe, then we feel the sense of abundance mm -hmm. because it's a sense of scarcity that makes us overeat. I don't have enough pleasure in my life. So this is giving me immediate pleasure. So I'll just keep eating. So if we recognize there's so many other pleasures, there's an abundance of pleasures and I'm not dependent on anybody else to bring those pleasures into my life. The pleasure ladder is totally empowering. We can bring all those five rungs into our life at any moment through gratitude. That's beautifully said. Thank you. And when did you realize you were addicted to food? Like, when did it like snap in you that this is a problem? It was gradual. But you see in the memoir, I went to Harvard. And why did I go to Harvard? Because I was searching for wisdom. That's really it. I worked really hard to get in there. And I thought I would find the wisdom to life there, but I didn't. Instead, I was getting sicker and sicker with the food addictions. And in my desperate search for wisdom, you know, what I was doing was like yo-yo dieting. And then when the restrictions got too much, then I was binge eating. It was a horrible way to live. Yeah. I was doing one or the other. And I didn't really look like I was suffering on the outside. I looked very successful, but I was suffering terribly inside of myself. And then when I graduated from Harvard, I went to medical school. And by the first year of medical school, things were worse than ever. Here I was, I could have been having a wonderful life, but I was suffering and my behaviors were so bizarre. And with addictions, you do everything in secret. Nobody knows what you're doing. And the behaviors were getting more and more bizarre. Like I talk about things, people read the book and they go, how could you say these things like right out there? Because I don't show how low, I sunk and how painful it was, then people can't see how high it is to be fulfilled in life. And, and they don't see the contrast, you know? I didn't hide anything. It's all in there, how horrible my life was being ruled by an addiction. An addiction is when you're doing something compulsively despite the harmful consequences. You know, intellectually, I knew it was wrong. I couldn't stop it. That wasn't helpful because there was a genuine hunger within me. It was real. And if I couldn't fulfill that hunger, then I was always desperately trying to get pleasure, the immediate pleasure that this horrible addiction was bringing. Wow. It really sounds like once you dived into the five pleasure ladders and you really were able to discover that, it sounds like it really saved your life. You know, exactly. Right. I was ready to end it. I really was. I never spoke about this before, but that's in the book too. I felt if there's no purpose to life, why am I continuing? And that's what I had a perfectly good life and I was still feeling so purposeless. So it was when actually I ended up, you know, discovering my own heritage and the ancient wisdom, which had been thrown away. This is called searching for God in the garbage because it really, my heritage had been tossed away. I didn't know about the deep wisdom that was in it. I had no idea when I finally was able to learn about it. 
then my life changed because I learned that deep within we all have goodness and that there's a good purpose to life, that I could trust that there's meaning to this whole existence that we have, that it wasn't meaningless, that it wasn't arbitrary and chaotic, which is how the world felt to me, life. When you can trust that there's a good plan, actually, even though we don't understand it, it changes your whole perspective. So to understand that we're here for pleasure, we're here for the most deepest, lasting kind of pleasure, that changed everything. And then I understood what I was here to do and how to live my life in the most joyful way possible. Wow. I think that's beautiful how you finally realized that you had to search deeper, you know, and I think that's something that a lot of people are missing is that deeper connection within themselves. I think, like you said, people are constantly looking for that deeper connection with the outside world and with the outside materialistic items. However, it's never going to be fulfilling. And once you start looking within yourself, then you realize something different, you know, a switch comes up. And I see that in you, you know, you can see that joy and that spark of you knowing who you are. And the fact that you were able to write even the dark times in your life to the beautiful times in your life, I think that is very fascinating. And it's hard to do because when you are writing those dark times and you're putting it out there in a book, you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable to the world, you know, not just to yourself, but to the world. And when you are vulnerable to the world, world, it's scary, you know, and I don't know how you were able to overcome that. But it sounds like with this journey, it most definitely gave you the green light to overcome that vulnerability. It's a wonderful point. When the book first came out, it was really embarrassing because the first people reading the book were people that knew me. And mm -hmm. that was more embarrassing than all the people that read it now that don't know me. <laughs> so it's not as embarrassing because like people that knew me go, how could you say these things about yourself? We would never know this about you. That was your past. And you're revealing this. It's like, oh my gosh, they couldn't believe it. I said, you know, really, I'm not writing it for you. I'm writing it for everybody out there. That's the mm -hmm. thing. I'm willing to go through. This is embarrassing for me to share it with people that know me and don't know that side to me. But it's worth it because that's what we're here for. We're here to help other souls to shine as well. And it definitely helps my soul to shine when I help other souls to shine. And, you know, people that have addictions, they're very sensitive souls usually. They're people, I say like, they almost have exposed souls. You know, the souls are on the surface and they could feel the need for nourishment more than other people. Mm -hmm. Other people, everybody has the need, but some people people don't feel it. They're not in touch with it so much. So they don't feel such a hunger for spiritual nourishment, even though they as well need it. But I think that addicts are people, they are seeking greater pleasure in their life. And that's kind of how the addiction developed. It, many people become addicts because of abuse or neglect in their childhood. And, you know, it brings them that temporary comfort because they can't live with the pain all the time. What's better than comfort is pleasure. It's so much a higher level. People get stuck at their addictions because they want the pleasure to keep coming. But once they learn about the pleasure ladder, then they know there's so much more pleasure available to them. They don't have to get stuck with the comfort, which keeps them at a very low place. And afterwards, it fills them with shame instead of gratitude. So, oh, and that's why I write all these books for children. 
So children can know from the very beginning that they're spiritual beings. And if they can learn the skills to joy from the very beginning, they don't have to play catch up the rest of their lives because so many people are playing catch up the rest of their lives and not experiencing great joy in living for so many years. That's what I try to help prevent that. Even I have some books about prevention of abuse for children. It's so important because when a child experiences abuse, there are coverings that are put on top of their beautiful, resilient soul. So it's even hard for the light to get through. Even It's hard for the nourishment to get through because they're covered up with protective layers, you know. So preventing abuse is essential. My newest book is Let's Stay Healthy for Children. If we keep our bodies healthy from the beginning, that also helps our souls to shine because our bodies are the coverings for our soul. It's kind of like the clothing on top of it. So the book explains how healthy eating helps us to live with more gratitude, with more energy. It explains why exercise is important, movement, our bodies are designed to move. Sleep is so important because if we sleep enough, then we wake up happy, we wake up with energy. And even teens are reading the book. There are teens that have told me this book helps them understand why it's important to sleep more, you know? So that's really amazing. And, you know, it just basic stuff like, why do we need to brush our teeth and floss and wash with soap? Because my background is in science, I love explaining, you know, these are invisible things. We can't see the germs, you know, but mm. it will, all of this is so helpful to us. If we explain it to children, then they really get why it's valuable. Oh, yeah. that's perfect. Thank you. You know, I was about to ask that question about did it inspire you to write your children's book and you already, well, that question's done. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I want to write the books I wished I had as a child. Oh, I, yes. didn't, I didn't have this information. This is so basic to life. Yeah. And when did you start actually writing children's books? Because I was looking at your website and you have a lot of books. You have, yeah. a very, you have a lot of very good books. Like you said, a lot of books that are necessary to start helping children think. You know, and I was speaking with another gentleman about this and how it's important to teach the next generation how to think instead of what to think. And I was looking at all your books and you have a variety of books that touch on many, many subjects. And I think that's amazing. So when did you actually start writing children's books? Thank you so much. I started writing when my children were really little. They were sitting outside playing in the playground and I took a notebook. I started writing. And this is amazing because um, I was living in Israel then. I didn't even type it on a computer. I put a handwritten like loose leaf paper with my first book in an envelope. I mailed it to America. And six weeks later, I got an acceptance that the book was being published. And I said, whoa, this is how you write children's books. Okay. So that was how it started. And now there's been 40 books. Hopefully there's more coming, more children's books too. So yeah, it's just a joy for me to share these messages with the world. That's the purpose of all my books. I want to mention this one. Let's appreciate everyone. It's about teaching children about disabilities because, you know, they don't feel comfortable around when they see a person with a physical disability, they don't know how to interact. This explains how. And like, let's say you see someone, what children normally do when they see someone with a physical disability is they stare. And yes. that's totally fine because they're curious. But if there's another five letter word, it also begins with S. 
okay? And if they do this too, it's wonderful. All they have to do in addition to stare is smile because if they smile, it warms the heart of the child with a disability and it warms their own heart. It creates a connection. The smile creates a connection. So that's one tiny thing, but there's a lot of different tips in the book. Like if you meet someone in a wheelchair, sit down next to them so you're on the same level. You know, that's really important. If once a person learns these different guidelines, they feel more comfortable interacting because they know how to interact, you know? Like when you meet someone that's blind, then introduce yourself. Say, hi, it's me. I'm here. Say your name. And if you're walking away, say, I'm going now. Just let the person know. It's like really helpful. If somebody's deaf, then you can write them a note. You could draw them a picture and also practice speaking slowly. So because they can usually read your lips and there's many disabilities that are invisible. You can't tell that a person has them. So like, let's say you see a child sitting on the side, not playing with everybody else. So go over to them and say, do you want to join with us and play with us? And they may say no, they may not want to, but it's still good for you to ask. It's good for them and it's good for you just to to try to include them. It creates a wonderful feeling. So those are just certain things from the book that I think are helpful. No, that is really helpful. That is very smart, you know, just because it's exactly like you said, there's hidden disabilities and there's just disabilities that are already uncomfortable for the individual themselves, just stepping outside of the world. And just to explain to kids that it's okay, it's normal. Because I think the reason why children stare is because they think it's not normal. Right. But in reality, it is normal. So that's thank you for that. Thank you for writing your books. Thank you. And helping children understand. Because to be honest, I write children's books. And that's one of my goals is to do exactly that, is to help children understand in a different level, in a different perspective. You know, maybe your parents aren't teaching you this way. Well, now you can read this book at the library or you can read this book online and you can figure it out yourself and learn how to think in a different way. Because I think the problem is, is that we perceive life the way that our past generations have seen life and accepted life, you know, so when a child is born, they see everything that the parents do and that the grandparents do and they think it's normal, you know, so if they see people being mean to other people, they think it's normal. But like you said, we all have a greater good inside of us. And I think with these children's books, they're helping children understand that you can get into your good side. You can get into that moments of purity and just acceptance and, and love, you know, and find those creative ways to do that. That's awesome. Beautiful. So I, guess, I guess my next question is, have you ever felt tempted to go back to your old ways? Or have you ever gotten tempted to just go back into your bad eating habits? And if you have, what have you done to just redirect yourself? Great question. That happens almost every day. It happens all the time because of the basic reason that we want pleasure to keep lasting. When I'm eating something yummy, I just want to keep overeating it, even though I don't need it, you know, physically. So that's why I have these. Now, obviously, the thoughts come to me right away. You know, like, is it my body that's hungry or my soul? Or another thought comes to me. And you could put these on your fridge or your cupboard if it's helpful to you. It's so helpful because the amazing thing is 
you don't even have to get up and open the window and let the sunshine in and feel the air, or you don't even have to press the button and start hearing music and dancing and moving. Just thinking about it is enough. That's the amazing thing. Just thinking about adding another pleasure to your life that moment is enough to get up, stop eating and move on to a different pleasure in life. Another thought that I find helpful is if I eat like 95 more pieces of what I'm already overeating, is that going to fill me up? And I know it won't, you know, it just, and what happens when I ask these kind of questions, the neurons that are firing in the back of my brain, the amygdala, it's like, it's like the fear, the flight or fear part of the brain, the neurons start traveling up here to the prefrontal cortex of my brain. And I have that other thought, a higher thought, like, is it my body? that's hungry or my soul. So I stop feeling that fear, not enough pleasure. And I start feeling, oh, there's an abundance of pleasure. There's so many other pleasures I could do right now or think about. It changes everything. So that's now that anybody listening has heard about the pleasure ladder, your life is different. I'm telling you, <laughs> you're halfway over your addiction. It really changes your life. Just knowing about many people are in a cult of scarcity. Instead, have an understanding that there's really an abundance of pleasures available. So yeah, a one other little tip is chewing slowly. When we chew slowly, it's amazing. It's kind of boring to like not take the next spoonful and just be chewing what's in your mouth before you even prepare the next spoonful. But when you do that, it creates mindfulness. Then you are more conscious of what you are actually experiencing. And the, the pleasure lasts from here to here. That's it. Once you swallow, you're not even experiencing the pleasure. So it's a really short time. Why not? really savor the experience. And that's what you do when you choose slowly, then you just don't eat as much and you, you enjoy the experience more. You're filled with even more gratitude with the gifts that we've been given to eat when you choose slowly and mindfully. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. This conversation has been really nice to have and so really inspiring because now you just make me want to write more books. <laughs> just because oh, I, I want to commend you on your Mr. Water book. Oh my gosh. I read about it. It sounds fantastic. I'm actually working on something sort of similar about protecting our beautiful world. You know that it's so important and that's, and you've hit on it and I admire you so much for what you're doing in so many ways and about this whole podcast, which is about thinking. I just love it. So thank you for all that you're doing, Mitzi. Thank you. I really appreciate the feedback. You know, sometimes I don't really know if I'm what I'm doing is the right thing to do, but I'm constantly praying and constantly holding on to God because uh -huh. I feel like this is exactly what I should be doing. So every time I do it and every time I have another interview, it's just I know that this is what I should be doing, you know. So thank you for giving me that feedback. I really do appreciate that. And is there any last minute advice that you want to give our listeners before we wrap up the show? Because man, I feel like you have a lot of insight to get to share with the world. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. I love this saying, what's the difference between a real diamond and a fake diamond? What's the a, difference? Yeah. A real diamond 
has flaws. A fake diamond doesn't have flaws. And I just learned recently that diamond experts don't call them flaws. They call them inclusions. So all the flaws we have, they're important parts of us too. That's what we're here for, to grow and change. We make mistakes. We'll, we'll sometimes eat junk food, you know, but we can always just do the next right thing and enjoy life. And every moment of gratitude is a victory. Awesome. Yeah. That is perfectly said. You heard the first from Braca. She said it. Don't you dismiss it. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for more because I'm not stopping. <laughs>